Yeah, talking about Eufy.com. The Eufy video lock is unbelievable. Get it on Amazon. You can get it at Best Buy stores starting on May 20th. What is it? It's a smart lock, 2K cam, and doorbell, three-in-one, triple security, so you can have everything you need in one device rather than install many pieces on your front door. It's not just for security, but also for convenience. No more concerns about losing keys like my wife. You can assign passwords to your family members and see them coming back home via the integrated camera. It's easy to install and set up with just a Phillips head screwdriver, no drilling required. It's got a keyless entry. No more fumbling for the keys. When hands are full, never worry about kids losing keys or passing among the renters of your house. You got a rental property out there? This is a must-have. I love this product. Uh, Just got it a couple weeks ago. Huge fan. Have the ring camera. It's okay. It's not as great as this, so I swapped it out. Uh, Go to Eufy Video Lock today on YouTube. That's E-U-F-Y Video Lock or visit EUFYofficial.com slash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your front door. Welcome to Drinking Bros, presented by GhostBed.com. Sit back, relax, and grab a fucking drink. Yeah, welcome to Drinking Bros, kids. God damn, dude. Today's one of those days where you're grateful to have a podcast and stories like Hunter Biden just drop into your lap. Obviously, we'll get to that in a second. However, we've locked down the fundraiser. Uh, told everybody about this on the show. We usually do one for Christmas here. And, uh, and this year, uh, we've decided to uh, pull our resources together for our Christmas show and get Lasro Lopez a new car. Well, it's not new, obviously. It's going to be used. And, uh, and I, I talked to him last night. I went over it with mm. him. And we needed something fun and catchy for the show next week. Um, so it's a RAV4 Lopez. So we're getting a RAV4 for Lopez here. Hell yeah, a little party boy car for a little party boy. Yeah, yeah and I think we're going to have, we haven't, this part we haven't figured out yet, but we're going to try to contract Dirty Mike and the boys to have a party in it before we <laughs> hand it over to him. I think he, Lopez probably knows them. He, he may actually, I think Dirty Mike is his uncle. So Yeah, it, it might be. Um, let's see here. Okay. So, we've already started this uh, late last night. I'm always up late uh, sending emails and invoices and all that other, other bullshit. Uh, so, I started it last night. The, the car itself came out to like 11 in change. And then with tax and title, it'll end up being around 13. Uh, and I think that's easily doable here. So, right now, uh, if you go to the GoFundMe, it is Rav. For the number Lopez there. Just type that in. We already got fucking $700 last night uh, at like 2 in the morning for Lopez. So we're already a a twelfth of the way there uh, for his new car. And we'll run it through the end of the Christmas show on Wednesday next week. Yep. Um, And here's the other part of that. If you make 
a contribution to the Rav Four Lopez uh, Foundation, you can stop <laughs> by the Christmas party on Wednesday and get yourself a free case of hard AF seltzer. Correct. Right. We will give you a free case of seltzer uh, to take home with you. Uh, not only do we want to see and hang out with you for the Christmas party, but uh, it'll be our thank you um, for uh, for donating to Lopez. In all sincerity, he's one of the nicest dudes ever. He's uh, one of our favorite listeners here, and uh, he does a lot for us as a supermodel as well for Hard AF Seltzer, and he's never had a car. Mm-hmm. Um, his, uh, he's got this, this weird car that can only go 32 miles an hour, which is fine for Austin because of traffic, uh, but then once he drives somewhere, it has to sit for three hours before he can actually get back in it, or I guess the transmission will go. So in the meantime, at the top of the show here for the first guys that uh, donated, Ruben Schneider, uh, Bob Komar, Pierce Taylor, Craig Craggers, Delaski, of course. Thanks, Craggers. DJ Davies, love DJ Davies. Alex Chichoff, who is one of our fucking faves here. And Gordon Wagner, who hooches us all the time. He's been doing that... Um for four years i guess mm-hmm. four and a half because it was march of 2019 when that stupid shit started love it that's when we recorded that in la with charlie right it's the best we went to the fights the other night with chuck liddell and, mm-hmm. and mickey gall and those yeah. guys and uh he hooched us maybe about 10 minutes after i posted that picture yeah, from it doesn't take very long it's awesome <laughs> so shout out to gordon wagner and then alex chichoff if you don't know who that is uh, he's the one in Maine, Drinking Bros Maine, who's always doing cheers uh, with everybody and trying to get everybody to uh, to have a drink with him. Yeah, at TNA Drinks is the name of his show. Yeah, big fan of uh, Alex. Thank you guys for donating late, late last night. But uh, it'll be out in the world. And in the audio description, we'll post the link there, Bob. Uh, and this is Rav4Lopez uh, is the name of the campaign on GoFundMe. And uh, we're super fucking amped about it. So hopefully we can get him a new car. He deserves it. He's a great dude, and uh, and hopefully he can have a Merry Christmas. Now on to the fuckery that is Hunter Biden. Man, so we talked about this uh, story on the show, and he ends up getting subpoenaed, which is normal. Uh, Don Jr., for reference, uh, has been subpoenaed by Congress five times. So he has to testify. Uh, he's testified five times in front of Congress. He does it. It's not great. They ask whatever questions they're going to ask. You guys have seen it on television. Uh, usually it's behind closed doors. And then they'll see what kind of info uh, they get and then decide whether or not to press further with the charges or add more or whatever the fuck they're going to do. Now, this was interesting because he was in there for about five minutes, we heard, and then he just bolted and then ran out and did a press conference uh, out in front of Congress today. Yeah. Did they know this, Dan? Because I'm, I'm I looking at the footage here. Yeah, I don't know. I think for, for bra- background's sake, he requested a public hearing. Um, mm-hmm. And James Comer, who is currently prosecuting him, um, denied that request for whatever reason. I, have, I don't know why. From Kentucky. Uh, yeah, I think I, f- from, from the perspective of a special prosecutor, he's probably trying not to poison the jury pool, right? Yes. By making it public. Um, and then Hunter Biden is trying to leverage that idea of uh, to, to make it seem like the Republicans want to keep all this quiet. I, that couldn't be farther from the truth, right? They want all this out in the open. Oh, I, yeah. think, I think Comer specifically, this is what I've heard anyways, but it makes sense. Comer specifically is trying to uh, make sure that the jury pool and a potential prosecution of Biden, Joe Biden, or I'm sorry, of Hunter Biden, isn't poisoned by a public hearing. So a private hearing first to collect information. And Comer, I think, specifically is looking for um, 
any kind of information that might be tied to uh, an impeachment inquiry into Joe Biden, right? Right. As well. And they don't want to poison that either. So I, it, I guess it makes sense. Um, but here's Hunter Biden talking about it. I mean, he, he clearly is just trying to he, he's clearly trying to just do what the prosecution's not wanting to do, which is a smart legal move, frankly. Okay. I, I, I don't know. He's going to get held in contempt if he doesn't obey the subpoena. Because what's his name? Uh, what's that fucker's Steve name? Steve Bannon. Steve Bannon, yeah. Yep. Yeah, he, he had to go to prison for it. He did. For a while. So, uh, yeah, you should expect to see him in jail pretty soon. <sighs> what kind of Secret Service nightmare does that pose? I mean, how do you send a president's, a sitting president's kid to jail? Um, does Hunter get Secret Service protection as an adult child? He does, yeah. Yeah, they all do. The whole mm. family does. Uh, I, don't, I mean, they just have to turn him over. <laughs> they can wait outside his fucking cell, I guess. I don't know. Eh, I mean, but they, they would put him in, in uh, 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 protective custody, obviously. Obviously. He wouldn't be in Gen Pop or anything. Although, to be honest, he, he would probably get along better with the people in Gen Pop than most folks. Fuck yeah, he would. Because he's a cool guy, man. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and Bob and I were talking about this uh, pre-Trump election. We would have had a great laugh about this. This would have been on SNL, and we would have had some fun with it. Because I think it's hilarious. Um, we've already got the numbers of what he was actually spending the money on. That's hilarious. $847,000, $100,000 on uh, fucking prosties in, in cocaine. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and I watched uh, the last episode of SNL just because I like Adam Driver and, and I'm in love with Olivia Rodrigo. Uh, and um, I think there was one joke about it on Weekend Update on the hookers, and it was like not, I mean, it's, they just, they don't do anything with it. I know. This glorious gift. If this was Bush's kid back in the day, they would have been a blast. They had full-on sketches about how dumb the Bush daughters were oh, with yeah. Tina Fey and Amy Poehler. Yep. And they were just like girls. Like, and we, they were just by fuck- the way, we, we loved it. Like as a comedy fan, like it was hilarious and it was rad. I don't know why you can't make this funny because I guess it's your side or your party now, but this is the, the greatest gift as a comedian you could ever receive. Uh, especially this right here. So go ahead and play this. I would imagine this would be their cold open if they were still doing that uh, on on Saturday night. But uh, this gets wild here. So buckle up and uh, play his interview. I'm proud of my What the hell? You're probably going to have to find a different video yeah. there, Bob. So who fucking C-SPAN publishes the one that does, isn't connected to the microphone? I know. That's crazy. Clown ass it? motherfuckers. It's fine. on CNN, so. Yeah, uh, here's, CNN's the, uh, here's the CNN one that's two minutes long. You want no, to find the full thing. One, right? Find the I'm full thing. It's like six minutes. Let's go yeah, full bomb, that's what dude. I, All right, uh, one second. Sorry. I want Hunter fully loaded, you know? I want the... I want a mean potato. I want a fully loaded baked potato. So do I. Man, is there anything better than that in the in the, in the To be honest, summers? no. I mean and it's I mean, like the th- it's one of the only vegetables I actually eat a potato. Root vegetables, I like root vegetables. So a potato, butter, cheese and bacon and sour cream mm-hmm. and and onions. Another root vegetable. Red lobster by the way, best nope. loaded baked potato no. there is. I'm not kidding. No, we're not doing that. Yeah. The best way you can make a loaded baked potato is to bake the potato then slice it and hollow it out, and then um, mix the inside of the potato with butter and cheese, mm-hmm. and then put it back in, bake it again, twice baked potato, right? Put it back in, and then load it all over again. Oh, That's yeah. how you do it. Uh, put a little garlic salt on the top of that uh, yeah. baked potato. Yeah. Really get loose there. 
how long is this clip? Is this the full thing? This is eight minutes from CBS News. Great. It should be all right. Let's play it. C-SPAN. Jesus Christ. Uh, well, C-SPAN's always behind, right? They're always behind the times there. Comer and the House Oversight Committee may have for me. I'm here today to make sure that the House Committee's illegitimate investigations of my family do not proceed on distortions, Why manipulated evidence, and lies. No. Fucking fang fang. Is and I'm here bitch. today to acknowledge that I've made mistakes in my life and wasted opportunities and privileges I was afforded. For that, I'm responsible. For that, I'm accountable. And for that, I'm making amends. But I'm also here today to correct how the MAGA right has portrayed me for their political purposes. I am first and foremost a son, a father, a brother, and a husband from a loving and supportive family. I'm proud to have earned degrees from Georgetown University and Yale Law School. Was this your LinkedIn page? Yeah. I'm proud of my legal career and business career. I'm proud of my time serving on a dozen different boards of directors. And I'm proud of my efforts to forge global business relationships. For six years, MAGA Republicans, including members of House committees who are in a closed door session right now, have impugned my character, invaded my privacy, attacked my wife, my children, my family, and my friends. They've ridiculed my struggle with addiction, they've belittled my recovery, and they have tried to dehumanize me, all to embarrass and damage my father, who has devoted his entire public life to service. For six years, I have been the target of the unrelenting Trump attack machine shouting, where's Hunter? Well, here's my answer. I am here. Let me state as clearly as I can. My father was not financially involved in my business, mm, not as a practicing lawyer, ah, there you go. not as a board member of Burisma, not in my partnership with a Chinese private businessman, not in my investments at home nor abroad, and certainly not as an artist. During my battle with addiction... Wait, did you say as an artist? <laughs> yeah, I did. My parents were He's there got, for he, me. Great painter. Yeah. Great painter. They literally saved my life. They helped me in ways that I will never be able to repay. And of course, they would never expect me to. And in the depths of my addiction, I was extremely irresponsible with my finances. But to suggest that is grounds for an impeachment inquiry is beyond the absurd. It's shameless. There is no evidence to support the allegations that my father was financially involved in my business because it did not happen. James Comer, Jim Jordan, Jason Smith, and their colleagues have distorted the facts by cherry-picking lines from a bank statement, manipulating texts I sent, editing the testimony of my friends and former business partners and misstating personal information that was stolen from me. There is no fairness 
or decency in what these Republicans are doing. They have lied over and over about every aspect of my personal and professional life. So much so that their lies have become the false facts believed by too many people. No matter how many times it is debunked, they continue to insist that my father's support of Ukraine against Russia is the result of a non-existent bribe. They displayed naked photos of me during an oversight hearing. And they have taken the light of my dad's love, the light of my dad's love for me, and presented it as darkness. They have no shame. These same committee chairmen have engaged in unprecedented political interference in what would have already been a five-year investigation of me. Yet, here I am, Mr. Chairman, taking up your offer when you said we can bring these people in for depositions or committee hearings, whichever they choose. Well, I've chosen. I am here to testify at a public hearing today to answer any of the committee's legitimate questions. Republicans do not want an open process where Americans can see their tactics, expose their baseless inquiry, or hear what I have to say. What are they afraid of? I'm here. I'm ready. Yeah, that's cool and all that you're responding to something that the prosecutor had said at some point. Mm -hmm. But this is a subpoena. You understand? It's like uh, when somebody invites like, hey, just come turn yourself in whenever. And you're like, all right, cool. It'll be sometime next year, probably. Um, You said whatever. Right. (laughs) It's like, all right, dude. All right. What happens now? This is so wild, and we don't have a precedent for it right now. We do. It's contempt. So is that it? And then, but don't you go to jail like immediately for contempt? If, uh, yeah, if it's prosecuted. Yeah. Okay. Uh, will it be prosecuted? Is, it absolutely, is the yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't see how they don't prosecute it. To be honest, after what happened to some of the what happened to the January six people. By the way, there's a case. Yeah, I wanted to ask you about that. There's a case going in front of the Supreme Court. It's going to be June before we hear anything about it, probably May at the earliest, um, I would think. But, yeah, there's a case going before the Supreme Court, United States Supreme Court, um, challenging the the idea, the general premise of all these prosecutions is that any kind of rioting or whatever the fuck you want to call it happened on January 6th was in direct support of trying to overturn the election or prevent the electors from registering their votes for Biden, right? Mm-hmm. Um, which is, there, there's a litany of crimes involved there. But there's no actual connection. Unless somebody specifically said, we're going to the Capitol to stop this from happening. People, but people have been prosecuted for it over and over again. Finally, somebody, uh, there's three separate cases that have filed lawsuits, but this will be the one that uh, decides it. And it's also going to have a downstream effect on the prosecution of Trump. If the Supreme Court says there's no correlation between protesting the outcome that day and trying to overturn it, then that, that criminal case against Trump immediately gets dropped. 
Yeah. Right. And it will. I, both of those things will happen because there's no correlation between any of that shit, especially when you have public and private uh, messages from Trump telling people to go the fuck home. Yeah, and now uh, Jack Smith has uh, ran, ran this up the Supreme Court, skipped the appellate court to get the Supreme Court to get a ruling on uh, on this as well. Uh, the Supreme Court has agreed to hear it, I guess. Uh, they've also agreed to hear the case that you just mm-hmm. mentioned here um, because he wants to, to speed up that trial and keep it on track for March, the day after Super Tuesday. Do you think that'll be shot down as well? And then if so... Won't that set the precedent for the the case that is potentially heard in June then? Well, the case will be heard in February, March. It'll be adjudicated by May or June. That's how the Supreme Court works. Oh, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Okay. But yeah, I mean, it'll be be really interesting because right around the time before or after sometime Super Tuesday, um, you know how the Supreme Court works. Like, they're, they're... uh, uh, SCOTUS blog and a couple other publications that are more or less uh, centrist uh, will register and opine on the que- the types of questions that the, the justices ask about this particular case because it's open, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, when they're providing testimony, um, they'll write reviews about like what questions did they ask and how what how does it look like they're going to fall. Uh, on this decision usually you can tell based on the type of questions they ask or the type of challenges so uh oftentimes the supreme court justice will be like well what you're saying right now doesn't rise to the level of this but this might right so maybe you should look that way and then they have time to fucking fix their argument because the point of the supreme court isn't like a jury trial where you present your evidence and it's either good enough or it's not the point is to get the right constitutional answer you know what i mean mm-hmm. um it'll be really interesting because while we won't have a decision during the primary season, we will have a good inkling of what that decision is going to be. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and it's, it, I, things might get wild after that. Like if it's obvious that Trump, that criminal prosecution of Trump isn't going to happen, which I don't think it would anyways, but if it becomes obvious because of the Supreme court that that's not going to happen. And then Trump starts campaigning on, for example, letting people or pardoning people once he gets elected that, we're fucking swept up under all this political nonsense. Yep. Um, that plays pretty well for him. It's played pretty well so far. The more charges they try to levy against him, the higher his fucking ratings go. Yeah. So no, all of this is pretty good news for Donald Trump specifically. Uh, it is across the board. Um, the only thing that I will still go back to with this is uh, the timing of this. It all seems very odd right before this. Uh, you know, I've said Christmas for months now on the show that, that Joe would get out of the race. This would certainly help speed that up. Well, this this seems like um, a last-ditch effort to me. You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't know why else. Because Hunter's putting himself at risk here to, to go to oh, jail. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's, yeah. It, it would only be like 30 or 60 days in jail or something like that probably. But um, still, for a guy that you know uses crack pipes and intravenous drugs, that's a long time uh, oh, to, to be it, without man. your kit, you know? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and... It's also a bad look for Joe specifically. Like I could see, um, I, I don't know, maybe five D chess. They're trying to get Hunter arrested, so Joe can be like, "I'm going to take time out to deal with my family issues or whatever the fuck," and then it all disappears after that. Maybe I don't know, but um, you know, from my perspective, you never show weakness in politics. You know yeah. what I mean? You uh, lie, lie, deny, counter accuse always. So um, that's what he's doing in this. But it's uh, like we already have the evidence. So fucking good luck, I guess. I, I really don't know what could have compelled him to do this. 
the fact that Eric Swalwell, do you know who that is? Mm-hmm. The congressman from California, California who fucked that Chinese spy, Fang Fang or yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think he's been removed from all of his committee assignments along with uh, Adam Schiff and a couple of other people. Mm-hmm. Um, the fact that he was present means that the DNC approved this message. Oh, right? they had to, right? Well, they don't have to. Hunter Biden's a private citizen. He can do whatever he wants. Um, but the DNC definitely coordinated this, and they wrote that fucking script for him too. So, you know, you glean from that whatever you want. But that didn't... <laughs> no, no one who thought Hunter Biden was guilty of shit and that Joe Biden, by association, and or maybe by being the big guy, is guilty of shit, doesn't think it anymore because of that nonsense. No. Right? So that's only... I, I don't know what... The, that's a parry, maybe? I don't know. Uh, I love the quote here. They have no shame. These are the same committee chairmen that have engaged in unprecedented political interference. That would have been a five-year investigation on me. They showed my nude photos uh, in front of Congress and all that stuff. It was like, hey, dude, I, the, Trump went through the same thing when they went through Melania's clothes and mm-hmm. all that other bullshit down there um to me what did you expect was going to happen here i've said this forever but now with this fuckery and and whatever they're going to do because yeah you'd be in contempt you should go to jail same as bannon and i think there was one more guy on that j6 thing who refused to a subpoena as well that went to jail was it flynn it might have been maybe he was already gone i don't remember but yeah yeah, it it was was one other guy but uh, both of them you're right served (laughs) jail time Mm -hmm. so yeah he's we would have to go to jail but as the first son they would have to give you secret service. To me, this is the perfect opportunity for the Biden family over the holidays to sit down and, and say, all right, let's get the fuck out of here. Let's pardon our kid on the way out and then make way for Gavin Newsom. Uh, I don't think it's the greatest idea. Yeah. Having watched that debate the other night with Gavin Newsom. But, no, I mean, uh, like when you pull up, uh, when DeSantis pulled up a map, I don't know if you've seen it, of all of the uh, shit markers in the city of San Francisco and Gavin Newsom just started laughing about it. It's yeah. like, that's not a great look, dude. No, that's your, that's your state there, yeah. bud. That's your yeah. state. He's not a very good politician, to be honest. Newsom's not. No, he looks like a politician mm. and that's about it. Yeah. If you could like put, take his looks and mannerisms and uh, give him DeSantis's brain, that would be a great <laughs> politician, but that's not how life works. No. Uh, yeah. I really don't know what, uh, Bob found it. Way to go, Bob. That's a great one. Yeah. Is that the shit? Mo- that's the shit map there. It looks like he actually just wiped his ass with a piece of paper. Well, oh, yeah. When they so, when they zoom in on it, you can really see. It. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh god, look at him laughing about it. Is it a video or is it just a picture? Uh, it's like a Daily Show clip. Actually, let, let me let me find a better. God, that's good. Can't uh, really. And get, Newsom got go. some uh, some new veneers there too. Those, you got to give those time to kick in. By the way, everybody should have. Two years of veneers before they really start going out. Uh, does that have volume, Bob? Uh, the human feces that are found on the streets of San Francisco. And you see how almost the whole thing is covered because that is what has happened in one of the previous greatest cities this country's ever had. Human feces is now a, a fact of life, except when a communist dictator comes to town. Then they cleaned up the streets. They lined the streets with Chinese flags. They didn't put American flags. Well, I'm looking at total time. And they didn't put American flags up. He was right about that. They also put up uh, gates. But they didn't let anybody shit in the streets. Did they not shit in the streets in China? I always assume they did. Maybe not. Um, yeah, if you got caught shitting on the street in China, they would cut your fucking dick off. Would they really? Yeah. yeah. That's, they, don't, they don't do that. They don't let people shit in the streets in China? That's a shame. Yeah. That's a damn shame. Uh, but yeah, if, if, 
if you could put DeSantis's brain there, that would be good. Same with like RFK. RFK looks great. He looks like a president. You just gotta I, swap him out, dude. I think I'd rather poop on the street. This is this is a Chinese public restroom in that's how Beijing. Is it really? Yeah. That's how turlets in uh, non-Japan, Asia, and all through the Middle East look like. Yeah, you have to sit on the floor. Like no, that? you squat over it. You sh- you have to aim oh, it. Oh man, that's that a nightmare. Sucks. Like if you got if you got the Rhea, it gets rough, dude. Yeah, that's going down your legs, yeah. bro. That is a fucking. That is the wrong. Well, I mean, no, you squat like Haji squat. Can just put like a catcher. Yes. Yeah. Bob, put the phrase Haji squat. H A J I squat, and and you'll see what I mean. And these guys just kind of fucking sit like, yeah, there you go, the one in the middle. Go back. Sorry. Urban Dictionary. Yeah, that's fine. That's it, huh? That's how you shit. Really. What are you doing? I'm pulling it's the it wrong up. Picture. Wrong picture. Pull up the other one, dude. Oh, I just I, this guy's uh, not a Hodge, so I just doesn't matter if he's a Hodge. Or not. We he's just doing need to squat. see the uh, the squat there, Bob. Uh, Jesus, for you know? fuck's sake, dude! Wait, in, there you go. What are we doing here? Yeah, there you go. A lot low res. Dude. That's how you shit okay. in the Middle East, right there, buddy. Really? Yeah. So good luck. That's awful, man. That's gonna burn your quads. Not only that, but like, don't you enjoy taking? Well, you don't your see nice, morbidly obese people over there either. Duke, that's true. But don't you enjoy taking a nice, healthy dump, man? Like, don't, wouldn't you want to relax and take your time? This looks miserable to me. Like, I'm this in, looks like I'm, a workout. I'm in and out. Are you really? Yeah, because I've got quality dumps. It's not the quality of it. I it, just like the, oh, uh, not, the quiet, the room. Well, it's I don't nice. have a wife and kids right now, so uh, that's true. I don't have anybody to hide from. Yeah, that's true. You it's just my dogs. Do. Yeah. <laughs> but I, if I did, I'm sure I would engage in that behavior. Yeah, yeah Bob, what's your, uh, what's your average time on the toilet there at your house? At home? Mm-hmm. Uh, we're looking at like 20 minutes, probably. Yeah, I was going to say 18 for me. Yeah, and a lot of, uh, if I need to, a lot of grunting just to really... Sell it just to send it home. You know what I mean? To be like, hey, get the fuck away from here. Yeah. 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 Uh, Makes sense. Makes sense. Yeah. And every time uh, my kid knocks on the door while I'm in there, I'm in the potty. All right. And then it's usually that. Uh, But yeah, it's, it's, it's usually pretty quick. I just enjoy the room itself there. And if I had to squat down like this fucking guy, damn it, man. What a waste. What a fucking waste. I mean, good for them. I'm sure their bills are cheaper over there, you know? Oh, that guy's nice. Uh, pop up that guy, Bob. You just had it. Yeah, look at him. Oof. Jesus Christ, dude. At any point, show this to Dan one more time uh, on screen. At any point, do you ever just want to call in an airstrike and be like, hey, let's just get rid of this whole goddamn place? Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much constantly. Um... <laughs> One time in particular, uh, uh, this we had these um, rhino mount things, we called them, I think, that were on the front of some of our Humvees. And basically what it was is a wooden box with glow plugs in it, like glow plugs from a diesel engine, right? Mm-hmm. So instead of a starter or whatever. Um, and this retarded dude came out and started twerking on it one day took his pants off was slinging it over his head i don't know if somebody had shown him a video okay or something of of um what the fuck was that movie um was he a real retard by the way oh yeah tropic thunder no 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 of um um magic mike or some shit okay but this is i think that i don't even know when magic mike came out so it's probably before that but uh yeah he's like twerking on the fucking rhino mount and blah 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 
And our first instinct when he started running up towards the truck was to light his ass up, right? Mm. Then he got closer, and as you know, you start to identify some facial features consistent with retardation. You're like, fuck, we can't just murk this guy. Um, but then I don't know, out of embarrassment or fear or whatever, or just cruelty, uh, some of the local dudes grabbed him and dragged him out of the street. Like at first, I was like, oh, they're trying to keep this guy from getting killed. And then they dragged him over to the side of the street and just started smacking the shit out of him. It's like, all right, we should probably just blow this whole fucking place up. Yeah. Because that's how they treat retarded people here. Yeah. It's like, you're not that much smarter than him, dude. No. You're this fucking much smarter than <laughs> I've him. I've seen your toilets. <laughs> yeah. I've seen your fucking toilets. Uh, I want to bring up this Boston mayor who, uh, who has planned a secret. Well, secret's out, lady. Uh, no whites. Christmas party for counselors. Uh, if you remember her, we brought her up uh, maybe six months back. Boston's woke Democrat mayor, uh, Michelle Wu. Um, yeah, she's a fucking Mongo. She's uh, Mongo short for Mongoloid, minds. by the way. I don't want to fucking, uh, I don't want to tease anybody. Mongo, like Blazing Saddles, Mongo. Yep. Do you yeah, know why yeah. they called him that? Because Mongoloid means retard. Sure does. There we go. The end. She's an attractive lady there, so she's got it up there. Uh, Come on. No, come on. I mean that—that's a pretty decent picture. That's a good though. photo of her. She, she's right. not that uh, good looking. Uh, do you want to read that caption there, Bob? Or you want me to? I can read it. Well, it's from—it's not from her. Mm. It's from Denise DeSantos, who I—I I guess is. Uh, I'm looking at director of city council relations. So uh, this is she's an African American, yeah. Yeah, but I'm at she works for the mayor. I okay. imagine, yeah. but uh, or or I guess for the city council. Is that racist that she works for uh, a less brown person than her? I'm not sure how that works out. Did, how, do, uh, how does that work? Did Chinese ever have black slaves? Yes, actually, we did an episode on software history. No shit. Yeah. What was the uh, like? Way what, what year? Yeah. What year way was it? Early. And what like was it for? The Middle Ages, like so. the 800s. No yeah. shit. So they were way ahead of the game. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Asians have always been smarter, haven't they? They uh, yeah. They traded with the Arabics, with the Islamic caliphates, and um, you know they uh, were impressed with the uh, black slaves. They were like, man, these are way better than than our stupid chinese slaves i know and, yeah uh, these little fucking five foot two pieces of shit you yeah. want a six three two twenty five i want i need dude, i need dudes yeah. dunking from the free throw line man what fuck the fuck are we yeah, doing dude. Here? i think part of the problem was is that the uh the arab guys like uh fed and housed their slaves and the chinese people weren't didn't use a lot of food mm. with their slaves they just they just kept dying that's then, uh you know you got to feed them yeah sure do that's the that's the rub, I guess. You know? It is. It's expensive. Sucks, man. Yeah, it's like, you owning, gotta... it's like owning horses. But yeah, they were they were African <laughs> slaves in China um, in the early Middle Ages. Uh, so here's the letter that was sent out, honorable members, on behalf of Mayor Michelle Wu. I cordially invite you and a guest. Oh, so you get to bring someone uh, to the electeds of color holiday party on Wednesday, December thirteenth at five thirty. PM at the Parkman House on 33 Beacon Street over there. Uh, look, what happens if uh, if a honky shows up? Well, I'll tell you this: um, that's in about an hour and fifteen minutes. Oh, really? Yeah. That's Unfortunately, sick. we're not live right now, so nobody's going to know hear about this until it's done. Yeah, that's a shame. Um, but man, if if there's any honkies that attempted to go, what happens if your guest is a honky? Oh, you're Can plus you bring one. Bring a honky. I don't know. Maybe, maybe uh, you don't get a plus one if it's a honk. No shit. Yeah, I don't know. How does that work though? What if What if you put down like a, you bring a white friend, but they've got a black name, Jamal? Yeah, mm. this is Jamal Williams, and you're like, yeah. all right, cool, man. That sounds fine. Let him in. And they get there, and it's like 
you're not Jamal. That's what happened to that chick at Georgia when she showed up, University of Georgia. They were like, wait a minute. I thought you were Native American. That's what it says on your resume. You can't go to our college. Her and her family sued and got a lot of money. Uh, but with this, I like that it's, you know, uh, we're going back to old segregated times there. Yeah, yeah, it's good. Um, it's weird. I, it's weird I, li- I like it. it. I like it. I mean, just like, uh, what was the dude's name? <clears throat> Scott Adams, the guy that wrote Dilbert. He was like, we need oh, yeah. to stop hanging out with black people. <laughs> and now, they're, they're, now they're trying to cancel me for telling the truth. People always say stupid shit, and they're like, "Oh, they're just coming after me because I tell, I tell it like it is." Like, all right, cool, man. Yeah, no, he lost his mind on that one. But well, what do you think would happen? Let's say, I don't know, uh, the mayor of New York, if he was white and threw an all-white Christmas party, that probably wouldn't go down very well. I would imagine there. I don't think so. Yeah. No. No. But uh, eh, maybe you can get away with it if the party's still on. I've not heard the party's off yet. I think it's still going. Still going. I mean, it starts in an hour and ten minutes. Let's fucking let's do it, dude. We got to get up there. She accidentally sent it to white people as well. I guess is is what is how it got found out. She sent it to everybody instead oh, of just the. Uh, no. No. Non-white members of the city council. She hit the reply all to everybody. Yeah. Oh, that's gonna fucking hurt. Yeah, I don't think Gmail has like a filter for non-white. Uh, not yet. Not yet. It will though, right? I'm working on it. Yeah. <laughs> Trying, man. It's tough. We're this close, I think. Um, I know with the iPhone and shit, when you type in, you know, keywords or whatever. I was looking for a, this is a true story. I was looking for a, a picture in, uh, in Houston the other day and I typed it into the iPhone where the, where the pictures were. And it actually brought up betting slip, slips of when I'd been on the Houston Texans. And I was like, God damn, dude, are we this exact now? Fuck. Because uh, I'll screenshot them and put them in Drinking Bro Sports on Facebook. And uh, holy shit, man. Uh, bet on a lot of stuff in Houston, I guess. Bob, there's this um, clip on on um <clears throat> youtube i want you to pull it up right quick it's from ryan long he's a really funny comedian um so youtube ryan long when wokes and racists actually agree on everything i just want to play that right quick this was a good one yeah i saw this a while back um yep the the sort of end uh joke is my favorite yeah. one I like Randall. Well, he was supposed to be on the show one day, I think. At first, uh, Matt, I didn't think we'd get along, but it turns out we kind of agree on everything. Your Your racial identity identity is the the most important thing. thing. Everything Everything should be looked at through the lens of race. Jinx, you owe me a Coke. We both have a lot of opinions about people of color, even though we barely know any. I say colored people, but as long as we're classifying them. We both think minorities are a united group who think the same and act the same. And vote the same. You don't want to lose your black card. Sorry, I don't know. I just think we should roll roll back back discrimination laws so we can hire based on race again. Jinx, now you owe me a Coke. Hey, tell them what you told me yesterday. White actors should only do voices for white cartoon characters. Been saying that for years. Stick to your own. Us white people, we have so much privilege. I agree. It is a privilege to be white. Ask him about interracial dating. All I said is that black men who date white women have internalized racism, and white men that date ethnic women are fetishizing them. Guys against interracial dating now. Like, am I being pranked? Did Boomer put you up to this? 
<laughs> you know that taco place is white owned? White people should be making white foods like Kraft macaroni and cheese, no seasoning, not even salt. It's like he's a mind reader. I mean, I've been pushing for segregation forever and my man does what? I created an improv comedy show exclusively for ethnic people. Guy segregates comedy on my birthday. White people need to stop wearing dreadlocks and they need to stop appropriating black people's music. Shaved heads and country music, the way God intended. You know all white people are racist. I'm listening. Even if you have a black wife or a black friend group, you're still really racist. You know he just kicked a guy out of the organization for having a black girlfriend, but if you can promise me he's still really racist, we'll consider letting him back in. Black people should only shop at black businesses. I guess the only thing we really disagree about is I think white people are the root of all evil. But what did I tell you, though? If we can narrow that down to a certain group of tiny-hatted white people, I think we can come to an understanding. Technically, I don't consider Jewish people white Neither because... do I. <laughs> So that's, that's like, uh, you know, sometimes you just hold the mirror up. Yeah. You know, sometimes society does the work for you, I guess. That's an excellent sketch. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other night, you and I went to see uh, Friday Night Uncle Laser perform stand-up yep. uh, downtown on 6th Street. I don't, did you see the bar across the street by any chance when you walked in? Um, which one? Well, if you don't remember, uh, you didn't see it. Because somebody was trying to herd us into one of them as we went by. Yeah, yeah. Well, it wasn't that one. So, uh, you know, typically everybody has a huge sign above their bar Mm. for what they are or what the name of the bar is. This one in a huge sign only said, this business is black owned. I don't even know the name of the bar. Um, And that was hilarious. That's the name of it. (laughs) LLC, obviously. The weird thing is, it looked like a country bar. Like, uh, you know, it looked like kind of maybe they'd well, country music and shit. Too, so. No shit. But I was like, how does that help your business as a country bar, I guess? Uh, but it was really fucking funny. It was directly across the street. And I was like, that's what you're leading with? From Not Johnny's or whatever the fuck it's called. Uh, well, I don't across- think it would be Johnny's if it was a black bar. Well, you never know. Right. Across the street from uh, what club? Uh, what was the name of it? Sunset Strip. That's it. Sunset Strip. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you were on Dirty Six. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah we were in that's, it, dude. That's where, uh, I we mean, that's where it. people come out and they're like, hey, we got five shots for a dollar, five shots oh, for a dollar. So Fuck annoying. yeah. Well, you don't want to. I, w- I walked by one and they're like, come by. We've got fucking uh, 75 cent well shots. And uh, the girl, it's like five to one ratio of women in there right now. We need some dudes in there. And I walked by and looked and like, there's no one in there. So what do you got the women in a fucking meat locker in the back? Because if so, I'm in. Just say that though. I don't want to fucking deal with all this bullshit. Um, but it was uh, was it lit lounge? It's either. I mean, here's yeah. There's lit yeah. It would lounge. have to be because it's not Soho Lounge. I know that place. Soho, yeah. and then I doubt it's Narbar. If I no, had Narbar to- is owned by our friend uh, T.J. Lavin. Actually, no shit. Yeah, I didn't and, know that. Him and uh, some skater dude own it. And okay. not not to be super racist here, but Darwin's Pub doesn't feel like no, it wasn't. Uh, it was directly across the street. Uh, when you go down there, you can see the sign, and it's fun. That might be the sign it above the fucking bar, Bob. Uh, right there. Uh, oh yeah, no, it is Soho Lounge. Oh, it is. Okay, is we that are what a black owned business. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. What is that exactly? Have you guys been there? I don't know what this place is. I haven't been to this one. I haven't either. But that's the only sign that's above the bar that I could see. And I was like, what the fuck? Well, they've got this big... You can't see it dead on, but they do have this big... uh, Like, yeah. Oh, that thing on the sign? Yeah, got it's like, yeah, you can't see it. Yeah, because you're... Most of the bars are at eye level there. So I was just looking at the thing, and I was like, that's strange. They should have have a skin color paint swatch series. And then there's a fucking red arrow, and it says you have to be this brown. 
to enter. That'd be funny. That would be a much funnier way to do that. Because anybody that put black-owned business on the outside of their store, all they were trying to do was keep their windows from getting blasted out by fucking Oh, riders. you're right. That's all Fuck, that is. I remember that. You're right. You're right. That was during So those uh, are the BLM. first ones when yeah. I riot yeah. that I knock out. Yeah. You're right. I remember that. Because they, hey, were, they were boarding them up downtown. Shout out smart. to... Maybe shout, they're smart then. Shout out to Soho Lounge. They give you a discount if you're in a frat or a sorority. Do they really? Oh, God. Why would you do that? Or... or yeah, yeah, I don't think that's the crowd you want. <laughs> that's fuck No, dude. <laughs> they're trying to spend their $12 in your bar. Get yeah. the fuck out of here. People And people that ride buses to the bar. So they're green and Greek. There you oh, go. Oh, man. You're just courting the poorest possible fucking... <laughs> the poorest and most irresponsible people into your bar. That's what the, fuck? the demo you're, you're going after there? I wonder what this. I haven't been to this bar, but I think it used to be something else. It may have been, but you know that kind of makes me think now that the Rainy Street Rapper might be the person that owns this bar. Could be. Have you thought about that at all? Don't want to rule it out. They're getting bankrupted. I mean, they're, by they're too giving many. them fucking seventy-five cent shots, and it's they're specifically giving discounts to frat people. Mm. This yeah. guy's luring frat people into his building. <laughs> Or maybe it's a woman. I don't know. One of my one of the funniest stories. I have to like look up the actual details. One of my favorite things I heard when I first moved here was, um, and it's kind of topical now. Several of the bars, like like on Dirty Six, were owned by these Middle Eastern dudes at the time in like 2010 to 2012, and they uh, like fraternities and sororities would have uh, parties there all the time or whatever, like normal shit, including a lot of Jewish fraternities and sororities. And then they later found out that like all the money they were spending there was just getting like the FBI rate of it was mm-hmm. getting funneled to the like Hamas. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, so are American taxpayer dollars. So who cares? Kids, we got some sponsors to put this shit wagon on the air. First and foremost, GhostBed.com forward slash drinking bros. 50% off everything in the entire store over there at GhostBed.com forward slash drinking bros. Just in time for the old holiday season. Get yourself a mattress. 50% off. Pillows, 50% off. Sheets, 50% off. Adjustable bases, 50% off. All of it is 50% off. Highest savings in the history of the company. All you got to do is type in the promo code Drinking Bros at checkout. Uh, we see your pictures online. Everybody's ordering these things. Uh, huge fan. Had them for years. They're in every single room of my house. Shit. I actually bought uh, four more pillows maybe two days ago there. So they got, they got the big boy pillows now. Uh, when we first started, we had the normal size guys, and now they got the big boy ones, so I ordered some. Yes, I use my own promo code, Drinking Bros, at checkout. Fuck off. Don't judge me. Uh, when you check out, you're also going to see a three-year pay-as-you-go program. No interest as long as you have decent credit over there. And guess what, kids? Uh, if your credit is decent, you can stretch out that 50% savings over three years. Now's the time if you were ever going to get a, a brand new bedroom set over there. I think this will probably go away after Christmas. So take advantage of it now. Head to ghostbed.com forward slash drinking bros today. Next up, we got the Montana Knife Company.com. Look at them, dude. Look at Josh Smith. I'm staring at a picture of him right now. I miss him. I miss you, Josh. If you're listening there, and I still see that bulge, brother, in those jeans. Uh, but more importantly, 
He makes he makes the the best knives on the planet. So I got my wife uh, an early Christmas gift over there uh, from these guys. Uh, she fell in love with the kitchen knives over there that are wrapped up in in bison skin. I mean, god damn, these are the best set of knives I've I've uh, ever owned in my entire life. I don't own them. Let's face it, my wife does, but uh, she uses them every single night. Uh, they're amazing, man. The craftsmanship uh, of Montana Knife Company is is simply incredible. It's not matched. I mean, he was on the show. We ended up chatting with him, saw his entire collection. I was like, bro, can we just work together? Because we're always looking for products that you guys would love. Otherwise, it it doesn't mean shit to us if we can't give you something we don't actually use in real life. Uh, If you don't remember that show, uh, Josh has been making knives for about 30 years over there, all in the United States, uh, manufactured locally in Montana. They're all designed, tested, and built by hunters. Uh, Montana Knife Company is a hunting knife company first and foremost, uh, but they make the coolest shit on the planet for the kitchen and everywhere else. Uh, sharpest knives out of the box and the easiest knives to sharpen. Montana Knife Company is a young company and working hard to keep up with the demand. So these guys sell out in minutes of being released. Uh, so head on over to MontanaKnifeCompany.com to see what's available now. And, uh, and if it's on there and it's listed, Bro, buy it because uh, last time I checked, I know I bought the kitchen knives and then boom, they were sold out, uh, I don't know, less than 24 hours later. They'll always restock, uh, but when you're making quality knives like this, it takes a while, man. This shit's the best. Uh, so right now, grab yourself a, a Blackfoot 2.0, a speed coat, or a, uh, a Stonewall Skinner over there for all you hunters and use the code DB10. For 10% off your first order over there. Again, that is code DB10 for 10% off at MontanaKnifeCompany.com. Love those guys, man. Best in the biz over there. Next up, we got our old friends at Diet Smoke. They're back, baby. Uh, This is another big boy savings for Christmas. Promo code DB50. Over there for 50% off dietsmoke.com. Any item, dude, including the new shroom gummies. All right. You don't remember our old friends at Diet Smoke. I'm going to refresh your memory. For those of you new to THZ, I'll break it down for you. Uh, Diet Smoke crafts their premium THC products from 100% American-grown hemp. Speaking of the crafting, uh, the fellas over there, Diet Smoke, cooked up another can't-miss product. Their new Shrooms THC blended gummies have launched. And I'll tell you this, they're perfect. Oh, man. I took a couple of these guys the other night and, uh, whoo, sent me right where I need to be. Uh, If you're quietly depressed like myself on a daily basis, (laughs) these are great, dude. I didn't even think about the depression at that point once I popped a couple in. Uh, Each gummy packs uh, a dose of uplifting THC and euphoric uh, mushrooms, which is nice. It's a refreshing flavor, great vibes, uh, and it's discreetly shipped, so you can't lose there. And it's legal. They'll ship to all 50 states, man. It comes right to my fucking doorstep. Uh, Each Diet Smoke product is uh, third-party lab-tested to ensure that you're getting only the best ingredients. There's a QR code on the bag. You can scan it if you want to make sure uh, they're all good. Look, THC-wise, man, uh, weed gummy-wise and uh, and shrooms, these are the only gummies I've ever had. They're identical, every single one of them. 
Uh, they've also got ones from five milligrams all the way up to 150. Uh, there's a lot of people who have a better tolerance than me. I'm a 10 guy. I only take 10 milligrams a night. Uh, but it's great for sleep, great for movies, concerts, partying, all that shit. So now you don't have to fly to Denver or L.A. to stock up on, on gummies or edibles or any of that shit. Just go to dietsmoke.com. Use the promo code DB50 for 50% off of any item, including those new shroom gummies. Now, remember, kids, it is weed, all right? You must be 21 or older to purchase, enjoy responsibly, and cheers over there to Diet Smoke. Last but not least, we've got HelloFresh.com. Hello. Love HelloFresh. These guys have also been on the show for years here at this point. Uh, My wife and I uh, have this probably four to five nights a week. Depending upon uh, if we go get pizza with the kids or something on Friday, but this is the uh, this is the go to. Uh, they ship right to your house there, and you're good to go, um, and it's great. Uh, so say hello to a stressless holiday season with the help of HelloFresh. You can skip the grocery store, uh, save time with easy, tasty recipes that are all delivered right to your doorstep. Um, it comes with a little card in there, so you're good to go, dude. It's got the ingredients. Boom, they're all fresh. Uh, and, uh, and it comes with a little card. It says, hey, hey, here's the recipe. Here's how to cook it. Here's how many minutes. Typically, it's like uh, 15 to 20 minutes, and you're good to go. Uh, and they've got a shit ton of meals over there. I think for each season, they swap out uh, like 45 uh, different meals and recipes. And they've got over 100 seasonal add-on items uh, for every single week as well. So also, if you're looking for like a 10-minute lunch or something like that, we've got them in the fridge over here. Uh, both adults, kids, all of them will love them. And uh, it's tasty choices for every mealtime occasion. I know you're going to the grocery store and you're looking at the bill the same way we are. And we're like, holy fuck, dude. Uh, how do you afford this? Let HelloFresh uh, take care of it for you, man. Um, it's, cheap. It's, it's way cheaper than going to the fucking grocery store. I can tell you that. Uh, so go to HelloFresh.com slash free. And use the code Drinking Bros free for a free breakfast for life. You heard that right, kids. One breakfast item per box while subscription is active. Okay? That's free breakfast for life at HelloFresh.com slash Drinking Bros free with the code Drinking Bros free over there. Can't believe they're doing it, but they are. So if you got a subscription to HelloFresh, boom. We're going to give you a free breakfast item for life. So as long as that subscription is going, you're getting a free breakfast item. Head on over, HelloFresh.com slash free over there. Make sure to use that code free at HelloFresh. HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, now's the point in the show where we get to the Drinking Bro of the Week. Uh, actually, this one, uh, we're going to have her zoom in here. Uh, she's got a great book out that she wrote about her uh, grandmother who was in World War II. Uh, her name is Nancy Davis. Nancy, how are you? Welcome to Drinking Bros. We appreciate you being here. Uh, Nancy's got a new book called For the Boys, The True Account of a Combat Nurse in Patton's Third Army. Nancy, what's your relation to, uh, to, to the book and what made you want to write it? Well, I've been a writer all my life since I could put words together. I knew I would be a writer and consequently majored in English. 
And uh, while I was majoring in English, I got um, this passion uh, for history. So I double majored and then I stayed at Ole Miss uh, in graduate studies in English. And uh, then I did a lot of uh, teaching, uh, college writing. Then I went on to do a, a corporate writing for most of my career. And then flash forward and all of a sudden my mother is 90 years old and um, I am the youngest of six kids. And I knew that my parents were in the war, but, you know, that entire generation, pretty, pretty silent about, you know, uh, that. And yeah, uh, but I knew that there were war letters. And on my mother's 90th birthday, she happened to be living in Virginia with one of my sisters, older sisters, and asked me to go up with her to her bedroom, help her get up the stairs and uh, go to her bedroom. She wanted to give me something. And when we got there, she said, well, I want to go take a nap because I had a little bit too much champagne for my 90th. <laughs> <laughs> but I, uh, you see the, the, um, you know, the volume of letters that yeah. I wrote during the war. And, and she pointed them, pointed to them over on the nightstand in her bedroom at my sister's house. And they're right here. This is the volume. Oh, wow. And I said, the first thing I said was, you know, mother, I'm sorry, but I never even looked inside that volume. I saw it in different houses that we lived in growing up, you know, in a closet somewhere. But, uh, you know, I never, never looked at them. Of course, I was too busy growing up myself. And she said, I know, um, but I want to give them to you today. And I want you to edit them for the family. And I said, I don't really know what you mean by edit. I mean, what, what do they need editing? And also they're typed. How are they typed? You, you didn't have a typewriter in the war. She said, oh, no, they were all handwritten. And um, my grandmother was a very practical uh, Swedish woman who was real organized. She saved all of the letters that my mother um, wrote home, which were over 600, and hired a typist after the war to uh, transcribe them all. And voila. They were in the volume uh, that you just saw. So while we were in that bedroom that day, though, a mystery came about. Um, she said, um, I also want to give you something else. And she went over to her dresser and with her little shaky <laughs> hands, you know, uh, with all the blue veins popping out, um, she opened up the drawer and she handed me something called my life in the service. And part of that book is on the jacket cover of the book that uh, you see today. And uh, she said, every soldier was given upon entry as a soldier into the war, um, a service diary. And I had never thought of my mother as a soldier, of course, um, but she thought of herself as a soldier and the army considered her one, uh, just like the boys. And um, she was on the front lines right there um, in an evac hospital. So anyway, I had thumbed through the war letters by then. And I had seen that her last entry of, in the war letters was October 31st, 1945. Um, and it was, uh, she was on her way back to the States from post-war Germany. War had ended five months prior. I flipped through the little diary that she handed me and noticed that the last entry was May 6th, 1945, which was VE Day, Victory Over Europe. 
So I said, uh, Mom, I see the last section of this diary is gone and it's torn out. You can see the threads, the paper, you know, the, the threads of, the, uh, of it um, having been there at one time. And, you know, mothers and daughters are <laughs> probably like fathers and sons. They know when each other is lying. And uh, she lied to me right then. I mean, I, it was maybe a sin of omission and said, oh, well, you know how young girls are, you know, uh, that was silly. I don't know why I did that when I knew very well why she did it, but she wasn't going to tell me that day. So anyway, um, she well, wait, me- why? Why was it? Yeah. What happened? Well. Because you're um, lying to us by admission now. Exactly. And we don't like that, Nancy. We won't tolerate it. I'm holding out. I'm holding out just a little bit. Okay. So (laughs) just bear with me. I'm getting to it. So I got got back home to San Antonio where I was living and tried to oblige my mother and started to read the letters, started reading the diary. And I could see right away that my mother had a very keen sense of audience because the things that she wrote in the letters was a little bit different than what she wrote in the diary. Uh, So I realized, well, she sugarcoated the letters because those letters were written to her family, to her mother and dad, uh, to her sisters. And uh, the diary, she thought she was writing and keeping to herself. So different stories there. So I decided that I needed to figure that out. And I needed to figure out the five-month absence of the entries in the diary. So I called her. And uh, she's still at my sister's house. And I said, Mother, um, let me ask you a question about this. I've, I've been reading the letters like you asked. Oh, okay. Thank you. And I said, um, let me just ask you, if you had, I was trying to get inside her head um, a little bit because I wasn't getting enough out of those archives. So I said, if you had one word to describe the war, the war part of your letters, the war, your experience. What would that word be? You had one word. And she, I mean, less than two seconds, the word that came out of her mouth was rage. <laughs> and I just, I remember exactly where I was standing in my bedroom in San Antonio, and I had to sit down on the bed because this, my mother was very, (laughs) by the time she got to be 90, she was a little bit still beguiling, but she was pretty reticent and very soft-spoken and never even thought of using an expletive. And here she is, 65 years, almost seven decades after that war, and the first word that comes to her mind is rage. That's what happens, though. You get to be that age, Nancy, and you lose your shit. You're over it. You're fed up with everything. I know my grandparents are. Uh, Right when they hit that age, they were like, all right. I mean, the amount of times that I've heard uh, my older relatives scream out, fuck Biden, just in that, like anywhere. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Like at Thanksgiving or wherever. That's what happens when you turn that age, Nance. I like it. I like that there was rage there. What did what was her explanation though for the word rage when she told you that? Well, she didn't. She kind of just shut up, and uh, after that, kind of closed off. And then I thought, oh my god, this is this is unbelievable. So I said, mother, let me talk to my sister. Talk to Susan for a minute. So she put my sister back on the phone. I said, look, I think Mama's going to come and have have to live with me 
for a while in San Antonio. I I need to get to the bottom of this and you need a break. She had a teenager at home and trying to get ready for her to go to college, that sort of thing. So I kind of made it, you know, advantageous for my sister uh, for me to take on my mother. And it ended up being the next two years. And you bring up, um, <laughs> this is a hilarious thing. While she was living with us, my son uh, was about, I think, 14, maybe 15. And, of course, he was dropping the F-bomb every two seconds and thought he was, you know, impressing himself. And one day my mother was sitting at the uh, at the kitchen with him uh, at the bar, and he was saying it over and over again. And she just turned to him and said, Jacob, now I know that you think you're so great saying that word, but let me tell you something. I went through a war, a world war. And let me tell you, that was the boy's favorite thing to say and favorite thing to do. Yeah. <laughs> and then and then my my son said, Oh man, grandmother's cool. You know, he thought she was cool because she could she could handle his uh his his little rebellious streak. So anyway, yeah, I think that's true. And I think they do lose some frontal lobe, but I also now understand that she had suppressed that damn war her whole life. And it was coming out, come hell or high water, it was coming out. I don't even think now that, as I think back, that she understood why she gave me those letters. Maybe deep down she did. Um, She needed to get that shit out of her head. And, um, And she chose me to do it. Well, look, I, I think a lot of people in the military who served, you know, overseas in wars in particular here uh, have that same thing. And you don't know when it's going to come out. Now, obviously, I didn't serve uh, except for at Olive Garden. And that rage came out immediately every single day. Uh, every single basket of breadsticks, I raged on people. <laughs> I bet. But Dan served uh, overseas, multiple tours and all that stuff. And, uh, and yeah, I mean, look. Uh, Dan, you probably don't know when it's going to come out on a daily basis or if ever. Uh, you weren't here for Justin Governall a couple weeks ago. Uh, we love Build the Wall Governall, but uh, he had shared a story that uh, he said five years after I got out, I exploded over this one incident and, uh, and I didn't even know that's, that it happened. I couldn't remember any of the story at the time. And then it, boom, yeah. it just popped up. And then uh, I was enraged about this one incident. Uh, for you, has that happened to you, Dan? Uh, not in a very long time. Like when I yeah. when I first got back from deployments, if somebody was rude to me in traffic, there was a high probability they were going to get dragged out of their car. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, but now it's just like you know, you you have to you have to process that shit. It, these days, people talk about it. Back then, they didn't talk about it, mm-hmm. right? I think it helps. I don't. I don't think. Um, <clears throat> I don't think there's anything intrinsic to talking about it that provides any real relief. It just kind of normalizes the fact that that happened. So you're not. I pent totally up all the time. agree. I never felt like she got rid of it until the day she died. Mm. Yeah. No, but like, like normalizing it is just like, oh yeah, that happened. All right, I guess I can go yeah. do the laundry or whatever the fuck. Yeah, right? you finally you finally come to some sort of acceptance, sort of. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that's the last stage in dealing with grief as well, right? So That's right. Uh, you know, it makes sense that it would operate that way. But yeah, for, for me now, no, I'm not. I don't teeter on the edge of rage anymore. I mean, I always have. My rage is like the pilot light on your fucking gas stove. 
okay. it's always on. Yeah, yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. But I, I'm in control of it. Yeah, and, and with me, so my grandfather was in World War II, and a uh, similar story is, is the one you were telling about your grandmother there, where he kept everything inside. I have no idea. I mean, I heard one story out of him, I think, the entire time, and it, you know, it was a fun, funsy-type story where uh, you know, he wanted to share that one. The rest of it he didn't. Uh, he didn't really talk that much, and, and any time yeah. I brought up the war— uh he just said look i served my country and we won and and he yeah. moved on with his day uh however when he was a big reader a voracious reader my grandfather uh every book that he had it was usually biographies and it was a lot of uh military books uh, it was a lot of, of generals and things like that and uh, even though supposedly it was a, a part of his life that you know he served and, and allegedly forgot you could tell by his bookshelf that he didn't um, I'm imagining that's why you wrote this book is to keep uh, World War II and the memories of those who served in World War II, at least uh, on the forefront of people's minds uh, and, and how horrific it was, what we went through, and, uh, and to share these stories, because let's face it, a lot of them are now gone, my grandfather included. Yeah, right. And I, I, uh, for me, it, it did start out. Uh, at the beginning of, of just trying to to preserve the legacy for our own family. But the more I researched, I realized that despite the massive World War II canon that we have, there hasn't been a huge amount of um, even scholarship or 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 a book like this on um, the healthcare workers. And a, lot of, and, and a lot of people that I've talked to did not realize that there were so many uh, women right there in the evacs. Uh, uh, a lot of people didn't know that, that, that back, back in World War II, they figured that happened later, you know, in, in, our, in, our, um, in our wars to come. But uh, one time my mother, and this was a story that she did often say when uh, I was growing up that I remember, is that she happened to be in the comms zone, the communication zone, because her teeth were falling apart. And in uh, Third Army, they put the the dental, the, the dentist there in, in the comms part. So she happened to go into um, a, a little, you know, bombed out building where they were running the, the communication zone and had the, the engineers had the lines of, you know, they got the lines to so that they could talk to generals and stuff on the phone. And when she walked in, she overheard a conversation, uh, and uh, it was Colonel Brocker, who was the uh, commanding officer of her unit, uh, of the EVAC, and he was talking to General Patton, and um, he was upset because they weren't able, they kept fighting over places to go, you know, as they would try to follow the troops. Um, one evac hospital would say, okay, we're going to get this area. And then another evac hospital said, no, third army promised it to us. And, you know, there was back and forth a lot. And so, um, Colonel Brocker felt like, you know, we're, we're putting these women right here, right. right I mean, there's, there's Germans right here, you know? And, uh, and she said that he, that General Patton said, uh, if my boys are out there, your girls are going to be out there and don't think that they are not. And, you know, it was just like 
that so what? What get, what difference does it make? What gender they are? You know, we're here to get this this thing done, and you know, I kind of I kind of like that. <laughs> yeah, and you know, look, being on the front lines like that, especially being a medic, uh, the horrors you see on a daily basis, right, um, are also going to live with you forever. Uh, I know, you know, in the book, you interviewed her uh, over a two year period from uh, 2010 to 2012. Did she fully open up during that process? Did you get everything you were looking for? Or was it more or less sugarcoated to uh, what the letters were? Well, um, no, she got more and more open. But one of the things that happened um, was that, you know, when you're 90, when you're in your 90s, you sleep a lot. And one of the things I noticed that um, she would want to sleep later. Uh, then she'd want to take a nap in the afternoons and virtually, you know, several times a week when I would go to wake her, she would have been dreaming about the war because see, I'd been stirring it up. I'd mm-hmm. been asking her. So she would have all this stuff, you know, just right there. And and then she would tell me about a dream. Um, and uh, it, it, there were all kinds of dreams. There were dreams that, you know, she dreamed again about the time that, I mean, she, she, she signed up for service behind her father's back. Uh, so she had tremendous guilt for that. Um, yeah. And she did open up finally about that five months. And what had happened was, um, and I know, you know, this trend it, that um, a lot of the, a lot of the guys would kind of test the fates and think, you know, if I could just uh, ask someone to marry me before I go, then maybe I'll survive it. You know, there was almost this this kind of deal that they would they would kind of make. And my parents had done that. They met on the HMS Andes that was headed from um, from New York to uh, to Liverpool. And uh, they know they knew each other for 10 days. And at the end of those 10 days, they decided they were going to get married after the war. Voila. You know, they did not. I counted how many times my parents actually saw each other prior to getting married when the war was over in February of uh, 46. They'd only met 17 times. Wow. And how, how long do they end up staying together? Oh, for their whole lives. Uh, how many years is that? Oh, it was over 60. Uh, I was yeah. going to say, so my, my grandparents, same thing. Uh, grandfather, World War II. Uh, they, I went to their 60th wedding anniversary as well. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, uh, almost identical. Yeah. But but what happened, though, was um, while my mother was uh, once they got to England, they were in different different parts of the war. They they didn't see each other again until um, December, right before Battle of the Bulge started. And uh, she um, she fell in love with somebody else. She fell in love with a surgeon who was uh, in the 39th. The uh, whoopsie, the last five months, always a doctor. Five months. Yep. Yeah. Last five months of the war, she spent with the with the doctor um, in post war Germany, and that's why she torn out the diary. Oh, got it, got it, got it. Did uh, did Grandpa know about this or no? <laughs> uh, yeah, you'll have to read. There's a it's a funny thing at the end that he says to him because he called a, a year out later when uh, my parents already had uh, their first baby. This sounds like the Notebook. Sure does. Uh, it's weird, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Wow. Um, That's wild. Have uh, you uh, have you ever talked to anybody about? I, I know this book is new, but 
you've had this uh <clears throat> you've had these letters for a while this seems like it's kind of ripe for a, a series right or a yeah, movie I wrote the chapters i wrote the chapters uh so that it would be real easy to um to do that because mm. i i kind of i see it like maybe as a 10 or 12 uh part series really mm. I think the the men especially would like the war part and the and the women like the love story, you know. We got Yeah, both. well, you know, uh, Spielberg and Hanks are getting back together to do another <laughs> uh another series now. Mm-hmm. Um I don't remember what what's it about. It's about Masters of the Air. It's a, Yeah, it's yep. about the Air Force, right? Or the Army Air Force and the Navy. Uh-huh. Army oh, wow. Air Corps uh-huh. and yeah. the Tuskegee Airmen are in it, but it's mostly about B24 or B17, I guess, bombers. Mm. Uh yeah. And Hollywood only wants female leads now, so it's the perfect <laughs> yeah. the perfect time for it. It's not great to be a, a white straight male, but uh, definitely yeah, is for a female. Well, it's it's. I don't know. I don't know. I'm I'm a I'm a bit worried about it because my mother was, you know, half German and half uh, Swede. You can't really, you know. I I don't think it would be very authentic if you did anything else. No, they'll, yeah. they, she'll be like an Asian trans person with one no, leg. Yeah, no, I'm not sorry. That's just the way it's going to be. You Mrs. Know? Tran. No. Yep. You got a tra- you got a trans mom now. Yeah. And, uh, with and one leg. With one. one leg. They, they cut one of the legs yeah. off. Actually, I think as well. And the surgeon she marries was the guy who cut off her leg, yeah. and then that whole thing. Yeah. It's a it's a love triangle. It sure is. Yeah. Uh, he the the surgeon sends the leg home back Look, to I, back I, to I her husband. That the that the that the backlash that we've started to see is going to continue, and we could kind of get back to reality. Yeah, it's we, it's weird how uh, Victoria's Secret they they've announced about a month ago they're going to start using yeah, hot girls again. Hot girls, yeah. Okay. Weird. Yeah, they just <laughs> so bizarre. I don't know what happened. You know, there's something about uh, capitalism and where the money goes and where it flows, and uh, then they make these decisions. Oh yeah, right? yeah, it sure is. Uh, well, the book is called For the Boys, The War Story of a Combat Nurse in Patton's Third Army. Uh, it is available now, hardcover, Kindle, audiobook. Who did the audiobook? I don't know. Somebody called Tantor Media. They sold the audio rights. But now my agent and I still own the movie rights, so good. we were smart about that. Good for you. Um, look, <laughs> uh, if you buy this book, you're going to read some of the letters that are actually in here. Uh, right. as, as well as is hear about your story uh, and what you went through trying to to cover this and get it out to the world uh, over the last ten years, and uh, uh, it looks fascinating. Our publicist dropped the ball and didn't send it to us, so you know I will chide them as soon as I get home. However, I'm actually just going to buy a hardcover here. So. Yeah, for something like I this, I kind of want to have a hardcover. Like I, I'll buy I'll buy the Audible as well because I I prefer to listen, but I like having hardcovers of like serialized stuff uh-huh you know what i mean like the way you talk about uh nancy the way you wrote it serialized chapters like that um i think it's it's fun to have the actual physical book in front of you for something like and that and i did decide to i made a very conscious decision to um to write it as if it were fiction so um people would have more interest in it mm. i you know sure uh i uh, guys a lot of times don't mind the dry stuff but um I figured everybody would like, you know, to it, so it reads like a novel, but it's nonfiction. And um, if uh, if uh, you guys are in Austin, right? Yes, yes we're in Austin, Texas. Okay. Well, I'll send you a couple of autographed copies. I'll get to get your address and Thank send you. them to you. That'd be fantastic, Bob. Pop a picture of the cover up here, and uh, there you go. That's on screen right now. Uh, so check out for the boys.
Uh, thanks for being on today, Nancy. We greatly appreciate Absolutely. it. I think you're the first uh, author ever from Ole Miss. I was unaware that they spoke Yay. English there. Yeah, I didn't know <laughs> they spoke English there at Ole Miss. Um, so I'm going to have to – I'm totally kidding. Totally kidding. I've been to Ole Miss once, and I was like, oh, shit. All right, cool. Uh, well, great- I, I was born in El Paso, so I'm a Texan by mm, birth. But, good for you. Um, lived in San Antonio for a long time. Yeah, I Ole Miss that. is a blast, though. Nobody will blame you for going there. God, what a fun uh, town. No. I I had a great time, and I majored in English because I could party and make A's at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> we appreciate you being here. Uh, thanks for tuning in, kids. Go to iTunes, rate the show five-star, and leave a quick review. Also, head on over to Spotify. It's just a five-star, and you can walk away. For Anthony and Anthony Holloway, I'm Ross Patterson. This is the Drinking Bros Podcast. Good night, everyone. <laughs>